Welcome to Peterson's Bowhunting Radio, brought to you by the Sportsman Channel. All hunting, all fishing, all the time. Contact your local network provider and ask about the Sportsman Channel today. Now here's your host of Peterson's Bowhunting Radio, Dan Beraldo. Thank you for joining us today here at Peterson's Bowhunting Radio. I'm here with Adventures Editor Patrick Mateen. How you doing, Pat? Very good. One thing, you know, a lot of our readers do probably know, you are our Adventures Editor. You've been, um, how long have you held that position here at, at Peterson's Bowhunting? Hard to remember. Um, Ten years, maybe more. Okay. I, you know, I don't even remember when we started doing that. Okay, so just about half of basically, um, you know, the, the, the life of, of Peterson's. Um, tell us a little bit about your background um, hunting elk specifically. I started guiding elk hunters when I was 17, right out of high school. Guided um, professionally for 23 years and got in quite a bit of hunting myself in those years. Between clients, I would run out and hunt, and I think I've shot 12 bulls with a bow than 365, one of those 386, so um, that was down in New Mexico's Gila, and it got so tough to draw tags down there, I moved up to Idaho where you can hunt every year, so it's uh, been very happy, elk hunting up here is good too. And you get, uh, also in Idaho, you have access to more than just one tag as well, right? Uh, two, yeah, you two can, to three? Or? If you fill out early, you can run and get a... Um, leftover non-resident tag so you can legally kill two elk here that's great that's great all righty um well one thing you know we're, we're gearing up you know the elk i don't know what they're doing in idaho but i know over in oregon my buddies are talking they're starting to fire up a little bit it seemed like last week's around some of the reports around the country they're a little quiet and um from what i've heard things are definitely picking up but that doesn't necessarily mean you need to go out with a bugle and a cow call and just start serrating to them, right? Well, um, that's one of the biggest things I tell people. and um, You know, with all due respect to the call makers, that just bugling in particular just does not work as well as it used to. And, um, when I first started elk hunting years ago, probably oh, in the late 70s, early 80s, you know, we were bugling in big bulls. And um, it just doesn't, especially on big bulls, doesn't work as well nowadays. Um, you still bugle in the satellite bulls, the smaller bulls, but those big bulls just are not going to respond to bugles these days. Is there a, a specific time, you know, a, a general uh, period where where you've noticed kind of the, the light switch turns on? I mean, for the average guy who is relying on some calls, would you recommend even calling the first couple weeks? Um, I, I know we just talked, you know, other from bugling, what about call, call, cow calling and other social calls? You know, I've had good luck with cow calls all through the season. Um, and, it, you know, things kind of go in trends. I know the, the hyper hot was, for a while, was just it was phenomenal. I mean, even really early before the bulls had really seemingly gotten fired up. But, um, yeah, you know, subtle cow calling, you know, using common sense and that's probably one of the biggest problems with, with people with calls is they just call too much. Okay. I usually just say take your cues from what, they, what the real thing is doing. If they're you know, not calling at all, you shouldn't probably shouldn't be calling. If um, they're calling a lot, you know, join them. But um, that, okay. that's kind of a it seems like it'd be a common sense thing, but 
I'm seeing it around here already. The bulls have just barely started to bugle here, but everyone's out there just bugling their heads off. So, <laughs> hmm. yeah, it makes it tough on public land. You have, you know, ten different guys bugling, and you know, one bull, and everyone's chasing the same guy. I mean, I, I guess. Well, they these people watch these videos and and see these big bulls being bugled in, and what they really have to understand is this. Places those guys get to hunt are not, you know, the hard-hunted public land the rest of us get to hunt. Those are private ranches and lightly hunted, and it makes a difference. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, and I should say, you know, that's not to say you can't view wind bulls, because there's certainly places, you know, wilderness areas or overlooked areas that you can hike in a little farther than the average guy and, and um, have a lot better luck calling. Because I know here... Um, there's a lot of logging roads, and I just see that the guys are kind of reluctant to get get off of their four wheelers and get very far from the road. So, yeah, have you experienced? I mean, the, the type of elk hunting that you did in in New Mexico, you know, in the Gila there, it, it's got to be vastly different in, in what you're kind of getting into now. I mean, especially, I mean, I know where we went turkey hunting, um, which was an area that you also, you know, were familiar with with elk. Um, you know that that was a place that your average man isn't just going to go find or even put in the investment to get out to. Are you finding, like, so far in Idaho, your plans, are you are you going to get out that far um, as far as, you know, getting off the, the trail, the beaten, you know, the highway? I mean, I, I know you're, you're kind of like a goat, so walking five miles is, is pretty, you know, that's nothing for you um, to go after some, some good unpressured animals. But... Have you have you found that it's going to be a different style of hunting there for you? Oh, there's no doubt. You know, New Mexico, you knew where the, you know, you knew where the roadless areas were. It's just a matter of having the gumption to get into them. Here, you're really having to hunt hard for roadless areas. There's so much logging here. It's um, what's really different here is they don't they don't destroy the logging roads when they're done here. So there's just there's roads everywhere. So what I found is working here is just get get a map spread it out on the table and find places with no roads and just walk into those places, get away from the roads at all costs. And every time we do that, we're in the bull. So hmm. it's, it's been actually fairly easy. I was a little bit you know, worried moving into a new area and not knowing my way around, but it's, so far it's proven pretty easy. Just find a blank spot on a map, walk in, and there's where the elk are. Yeah, I'm no expert. I'm, as you know, I'm still still fighting to try to kill that first bull after I don't know how many years chasing them. And where I hunt in Central Oregon, it's the same thing. You know, logging roads litter basically the whole map, and and, and it's just you have guys driving the roads. ATVs aren't as common where I'm at. You know, actually, more road hunters and pickup trucks bugling out of their window is more common than just an ATV. And it gets tough. It's It gets frustrating to be on a, a nice bull not calling all morning. And the next thing you know, you, you know, you have a car come up, you know, 300 yards away and rip off a bugle and send the whole herd running. And um, so this year we've kind of taken the approach that you just mentioned. We, we took a large section um, that we found that doesn't have many, you know, where the road stops and basically kind of starts getting into the wilderness and we're hoping there we can get into some unpressured animals, um, at least, you know, animals that, that aren't as disturbed as much as some of those off the roads. And we'll see. There's definitely elk in the area. But um, now your season, it just started, was it last weekend? Uh, the first. The first. That was, I, yeah, this, 
<laughs> I kind of skipped this weekend because the um, it seems like eighty percent of the tag holders are hunting. Yeah, right now because of the Labor Day weekend. But um, we get fired up here again in a couple of days. Let people go home. Let the elk get settled down. But um, well, the other, you know, working harder than the next guy. That's something I probably preach too often, but it's seems like it's uh, almost hackneyed, you know, to say get away from other people. But surprised how many people don't take the time to, you know, get off the four-wheeler and take off for a hike. Yeah, yeah, I, I know. Um, <clears throat> it's it, especially elk hunting. I mean, to just expect to, to have a phenomenal hunt 50, 100 yards off the road or something. I mean, I've had it happen. I've had one of the biggest bulls we've ever been on. You know, it was only probably 100 yards, 150 yards off the road, but... Um, well, it can happen. I mean, the other thing in that respect, too, is just finding or recognizing areas that other okay. people overlook. I killed my 386 bull. I could hear traffic on a major highway. Oh, wow. It was a place that was, it was ugly. It didn't look like typical elk habitat, so everyone drove right past it, heading to the end of the road. So, um... You know, that's the other thing, too, is just keep an open mind. Look where other people won't. Uh, we have some areas down here. I, I need to I need to get some hunting permission, but we've got some really low, low canyons down in farm country that you just whiz past. You wouldn't even think there would be elk there. Hmm. Hmm. There are definitely, you know, there's weird, there are elk getting weird places nowadays down in the low country, down in the desert sometimes, right next to a major highway. Yeah, I've had hot spots that I parked at a at a major rest stop on a highway and jumped out and hunted and found elk. So because other people just don't even think to hunt there. Yeah, yeah, well, definitely just <clears throat> like you said, getting off your your ATV or out of the truck and break you know breaking some ground, covering some ground. I mean that pays long dividends. You know every every year my buddies we get ready for the season talking about their scouting and. You know about oh they've driven these roads looks like good sign you know crossing but still every year it's it seems like I have to kind of go in there and and now the first couple days just kind of walk around see actually where they're going and <clears throat> you know I, I think any probably as you'd say or you'd recommend if you're gonna plan an elk trip you know and um, you probably be much in your best interest that first day even just to get out, learn, be, get familiar with the area, and try to figure out a couple uh, little travel patterns, correct? I mean... Well, what, the thing people have to remember, elk are not deer. Yeah. Okay. Deer, of yep. course, are what people are most familiar with. Okay. So they tend to try to approach it in the same manner, and you've got to get very, very aggressive with elk. You've okay. Gotta, I mean, deer, you tend to sneak around and try to make as little commotion as possible. With elk, you've got to get out there and run and gun. I mean... Take off, cover some country. Don't even slow down until you get into some fresh side. And then, and then of course, when you get, when you do get on elk, that's probably the number one pitfall of, of uh, guys that have come from the east and not hunted elk a lot. Is they're they're a little too contemplative. They're a little too careful. You really got to get aggressive, jump in there, and try to make something happen. It's, uh, it, you know, experience definitely is the key there because you. Randy Ulmer once told me, he says, the, the key to elk hunting is, you know, sometimes you have to move like the wind, sometimes like the hands of the clock, but it's a tr 
metric is determining when to apply, you know, one or the other. Yeah, that's that's tough. <laughs> I wish I could figure that out. But, you know, as far as covering country, that goes hand in hand. You know, if you see a big chunk of country and it's five miles across, uh, I'm not saying jog across it, but you don't need to still hunt through the whole thing. Just take off. When you find the sign, you're going to know you're there. Yeah, then slow down. But, you know, even when I'm in areas that have a lot of sign, I'm, I'm covering ground. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Google's you know, glassing distant hillsides. and There's more country you cover. And elk will cover miles and miles in, in a night. They, uh, they walk faster than you can jog. You know, they can cover some ground. Now, that's yeah, one thing, you know, after reading your, your book, um, for those of you who don't know, Pat wrote a, a book about two years ago. I think it, it was introduced last year, right? Right, Pat? Yeah, um, the um, Bow Hunting Modern Elk. Yeah, yeah, I think a couple summers ago, finished that up. So he has uh, Bow Hunting Modern Elk, and um, reading through this, you know, talking about, you know, you talk about getting aggressive and, and all that, and I know that's the one thing that, that's that killed me as a, you know, who still am, I still am a rookie hunter. And the first three years, God, I wish I could have read your book before then, because the amount of times we just sat there waiting, cow calling, you know, expecting the bull just to come running to us, um, you know, was ridiculous. If we would have just taken more of a, you know, an aggressive approach and gone in, you know, I, I know we would have had a, a couple closer encounters, you know, Couple close encounters, shot opportunities that that didn't happen because we just sat there waiting. Um, this book, if, if any of you know any elk hunters out there that are looking for a good read, a lot of good information, um, great illustrations, photos, covering a little bit of everything, even Roosevelt's out west to the Rocky Mountain. Um, Pat's book, Bow Hunting Modern Elk, is um, for sure. You know, you, you need to check that out. But um, Talking about, you know, we talked about calling, being aggressive, you know, calling when the time's right. What about using scents? Um, do you use any type of the attractants or, you know, any anything, you know, from like wildlife research or, you know, uh, any type of uh, cover-ups for that matter? Well, you know, I go, you know, years ago I never worried about scent without because you're sweating so much and whatnot. And, uh, you know, display the wind at all costs, but... You know, I'd say about 10 years ago I started, you know, the charcoal suits and the sprays and the, just trying to eliminate scent. And, you know, there's a little swirls that are always going to happen in the mountains. I, I started finding I was getting away with a lot more. So it was, it, it's a lot of work when you're out in the, camped out in the mountains. You know, you're taking baths and cow troughs and stuff. But it, it seems like it'll give you just, a tiny bit of an edge, that's for sure. You still have to play the wind, but those little temporary swirls that in the mountains you really can't avoid. And it, 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 you know, when, since I started getting a little more obsessive about scent, it uh, seems like I've gotten away with a lot, especially when you're dogging those herd bulls with surrounded by 25 or 30 cows and you're having to you know, crawl through the middle of the herd to get into the herd bull in the middle. It really, it really can help. But as far as attractants, I, I can imagine where, like, at a waterhole situation, they mm-hmm. could be, they could be useful to get a bull to stop where you wanted them to. But um, I'm, I'm pretty antsy. I can't sit, so I don't, um, 
don't hunt water holes very often, although it's deadly effective. So tend to get out and run a gun and play the wind. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, I'm speaking of, I think I touched on, you know, being aggressive. I, I've had more guys in camp with me over the years that, you know, they catch up to the bull, they catch up to the herd, and then they kind of go into deer hunting stealth mode, and the elk just outrun them. You know, they leave them behind. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the toughest parts about stalking elk is learning how to move quickly and quietly at the same time because you're, you know, once you catch that herd, you can't you can't slow down to a snail's pace. They'll just outwalk you. They'll, like I said, you, you have to jog to keep up with the with yeah. the, um, walking elk. So you really have to stay in aggressive mode. You know, take some chances and really push it hard. Cool. Um, as far as 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 a, a, a beginning elk hunter, you know what are what are some of the let's just take the top three or five biggest mistakes you know a, a rookie elk hunter is going to make and and what would be some words of advice for the for these hunters? Well, maybe number one mistake would be not scouting enough, not knowing your country well. Um, you know, a guy who loads up his truck and drives from you know out somewhere it's really tough to sit at home and you know in kansas or someplace and, and learn a piece of country and you really need to sit down and, and pour over maps thoroughly and call people call biologists call uh, um forest service personnel anyone you can get a hold of just try to get a better feel and the other thing i always advise is say you have two weeks of vacation you're you're better off showing up four or five days early and using that time to scout rather than showing up blind and, and starting, you know, hunting right off the bat. It, it really, the scouting is important. You've got to know the country. You've got to find where the elk are right now. Okay. Uh, probably number two thing we've kind of covered is the, you know, just being aggressive. Uh, you got to completely forget your deer hunting mentality and just, you know, you got to get out there and get aggressive which is, again, really hard to explain to someone who hadn't done it. It, it takes experience. Um, three, you know, as a guide, probably this is something that came up a lot, is guys just being in good enough shape. Yep. To, um, the west is rough. The altitude's a lot higher than most eastern guys live at. And um, it's, it's very steep. It's rugged. It's rocky. It's hard on your legs, hard on your ankles. And... You know, you just have to be in shape. The better shape you can get in, the more fun you're going to have. And um, then also guiding, you know, the one of the, probably the other big frustration is just being able to shoot well. Um, most guys are shooting white tails at, you know, 25, 30 yards max. Um, out west, a 45, 50-yard shot is not out of the question. As a matter of fact, you go on a guided hunt, your guide will pretty much expect you to be able to make a, 50-yard shot if you get you on a big bull. And uh, probably another thing is being flexible. Is, you know, a lot of guys will show up and they have one agenda in mind. Either they want to call or they're going to depend on water holes or you really have to remain flexible. I mean, you can have the hottest water hole on earth, but if it rains, you're, you're done. Yeah. And, <clears throat> you know, if you're going to depend on calling and there's a whole bunch of hunters in there calling and smartening them up to that, that's, that's not going to be a good ploy. So you really got to show up being willing to 
change gears, try something different, try something that um, maybe you didn't ha- even have in mind. And again, like me, you know, there's been instances where I would have been better off sitting in a water hole, but I'm just, you know, kind of stubborn. I, I like to get out and see some country and cover ground, but there are instances when you're probably better off trying to find a water hole. It's hot and crispy and hard to stock up on animals. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, those, I think you nailed it. Those are... Well, another thing, too, is learning to use your optics. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Everyone, every bow hunter owns a pair of binoculars, but I find a lot of guys, especially that sit, sit tree stands a lot, just really don't know how to use them. They use them to look at a deer they've already spotted with their naked eye. Or in the West, you really have to learn to use them. You know, get up on a high vantage and, and just scour the country. It saves your legs. You know, get in a high spot and you can cover in miles in, in minutes. You know, that would take you days to cover on foot. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, I always say, learn to look with your binoculars instead of just through them. You know, I like that. Yeah, for the sure. The best way to do that is. I see. I watch guys, and they just sweep their binoculars around, kind of randomly. You really, hold your binoculars still, and then scour in that field of view. Move them over, hold them still, scour in that field of view, and you'll see a lot more animals doing that than just, you know, randomly panning around. Well, and a lot of time, it's uh, you know, it can be that little flick of a of an ear that you thought might have been a bird, and little you know a hoof you know coming through a tight little thicket anything that'll just give you that much you know well elk you know, are pretty pretty visible critters and yeah you may find elk that you can't even get to today but at least you know they're there you can okay after lunch in the evening at hunt you can drive over closer and try to try to find them yeah so, yeah you know, i've spotted elk so far away that you know, just a little tan dot over there, and I couldn't even get to them. I had to go back to the truck and drive 10 miles. But, you know, <laughs> it's, um, it saves you a lot of time and a lot of hiking using your binoculars. Okay. Hey, now, you also, um, you touched a little bit on shooting, um, you know, and definitely the the average whitetail shot probably isn't comparable to an average elk shot, at least out west. I know growing up out in Oregon, you know, to get a shot under 40 yards, you know, you're, you're typically, you're going to be in a tree stand over water. Otherwise, um, that's probably about the average shot for, for most of my buddies and me. Yeah, that, but, that depends on the terrain, too. Yeah. I, there's a lot of places here in Idaho that are pretty thick. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. I called in a couple of bulls for buddies last year uh, when I was, you know, wasn't a resident yet and just went out for fun and call in bulls to 25 yards and I couldn't see them. Yeah. Feet or something. So. Oh yeah. Now, and one thing though, as far as the equipment, is there anything about equipment, broadhead choice of broadhead that you would recommend? Um, well, you really, again, it's that flexibility thing. You know, a lot of guys think, well, I'm hunting elk, I'm going to shoot 80 pounds and the heaviest arrow I can get away with. You know, first off, not a lot of guys can shoot that much poundage effectively, accurately. So, you know, if you're shooting 65 pounds, don't worry about it. You're good. But, and um, what? And then the other thing, too, is, you know, the heaviest arrows make sense for penetration, but you are giving up a little bit of, um, you know, of your long range. Um, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? 
kind of forgiveness or yeah, well yeah just your your uh, latitude mm-hmm. but the um so what I tend to do is I'll, I'll choose like a middle ground arrow, not the lightest, not the heaviest, something in like the eight and a half to ten grain per inch weight, and then you just use a, choose a better broadhead than normal. Um, I'm not real wild about guys using mechanicals for for elk when I was guiding, unless they're shooting, you know, unless they are shooting seventy five or eighty pounds. I just don't recommend it. There's so many good cut on contact broadheads nowadays. Um, you know, like the, oh, like maybe a perfect example would be like the Steel Force Fathead, you know, little thing mm-hmm. flies good at speed, penetrates like crazy, but there's a whole bunch of them like that now. Yeah, um, yeah. Even the replaceable blade heads now with the with the knife cutting tips and, mm-hmm. I mean, the actual razor insert cutting tips, I mean, they just penetrate a lot better, they're a lot tougher, and um, that's the number one thing is... Um, you can use your whitetail rig for elk, no problem. Just just use a really efficient broadhead, a cut-on-contact broadhead. Okay. Uh, and and <clears throat> you can go 100, 125 grain. I mean, is, is there is there? Do you have a preference? Just curious on your setup. Uh, for with the compound. When I'm shooting compound? compounds, I I think I've shot. Well, the last you know several elk I've shot, I, I think I've shot all with 100 grains. Okay. Although I have been, you know, playing with heavier heads lately, you know, going bumping back up to 125 just to get my FOC up, and it, you lose a little bit of um, trajectory. But the, um, if you, you know, if you get in the wind or you nick a little branch, it just seems to want to hold its course a little better. Hmm. Now, have you uh, have you been toting around your recurve mostly? Yeah, that's what I've been hunting with for uh, the last. I've always hunted with recurves. You know, yeah, but well, I meant this year. Yeah, oh yeah, definitely this year. I've been um, hunting with my recurve, and like I said, it's pretty thick here. So, although you get one out in the clear cut, I'm going to be wishing I had my uh, compound. But <laughs> <laughs> now, a setup for your traditional. Um, is there any other advice? I mean, you still want a, a good broadhead cut on contact? Well, that tip. is when with the recurves. Now, that is when I'll go to definitely go to a heavier arrow, okay. something like 12 grains per inch, and uh, I bump up my FOC to you know, 17, 18%, which means you know, shooting like a 145 to 175 grain head, even heavier, really. Hmm. And, hmm. Um, just because you really need that penetration, recurves just don't generate the energy that yeah. compounds do. Yeah. Well, you look at an average recurve, it's going to generate about... 40 or 45 foot pounds that's about half of what a most compounds are, are yeah to to, today's top bows especially i mean i know some so of that's our... when you really want to get something efficient you know a good wiki or something like that that streamlined and drives a deep mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. what about arrows what kind of arrows are you finding in that range that you've been having uh, good I mean, success uh, the with? beeman classics are you know real heavy the um, grizzly sticks are nice and heavy um I really am in liking these low-profile arrows, though. It's, uh, I've shot, I haven't shot an elk with, with one out of my recurve, but I shot a lot of hogs and bears and stuff like that, and just you know, getting complete penetration with the recurve is always pretty impressive. Mm-hmm. Those mm-hmm. Beeman Classics in particular is a great example. Um, and then, like, the crush shafts from um, Trophy Ridge, they just they really 
at low diameter just blast through stuff really well. Yeah, yeah, cool. We we should end this. You're also finishing a, another book right now, um, or basically done with it. That's going to be on shooting. Uh, you want to talk a little bit about that with us, Pat? Yeah, that's um, a little more difficult than the Elka book. The Elka book was came together really fast because I've been guiding so long to um, shooting. Sometimes you kind of forget what you know. It's it's kind of um, interesting to put together. But basically just um, I tried to address every single level of of shooting skill, um, every style of shooting, and just basically um, after absorbing for years, you know, guys like talking to guys like Randy Elmer and those kind of guys and, and my own experiences with shooting just basically the whole program of, of um, bursting through your current plateau and just making yourself better and uh, I cover everything from um, you know target shooting to, to beating target panic to becoming a more effective big game shot just uh, shot timing and shot placement and you know things to keep in mind so yeah, I think it's pretty pretty thorough pretty comprehensive well, good. That'll that'll be a great addition to the library, um, and second edition your your to your other book, Bowhunting Modern Elk. What's the name of this one? Have have we have we finalized a name what for do, this? What do we nail down? Um, make every shot count. I think is okay. Make every shot count. Working title. That's a working title now. These titles uh, we're, we're expecting to have Pat's newest book finished by the beginning of 2010. So. For all you guys looking for some new reads, a little Christmas stocking stuffer, um, you can go to bowhuntingmag.com and check for the links there. And um, like I said, that should be available beginning of 2010. Pat Mateen's um, current book, Bowhunting Modern Elk, is also available through the website and through the Intermediate Outdoor store. Uh, again, bowhuntingmag.com. Well, Pat, I should get going. Um, we appreciate you taking the time this morning and, and uh, talking elk, elk talk. We're getting, uh, I'm leaving Friday for Oregon, so. Good luck there. I'll be hunting here at home. Cool. Good deal. Yeah, I, I'm excited. It's, uh, it's that time of year, and um, we'll be in touch. Be sure and keep us posted on this season's success, and, and, and good luck out there. Yeah, hopefully uh, I should mention the blog, too. Some of us ought to have some stuff to put on the new blog here quickly. Okay, that's right, yeah. Um, that's, uh, thanks for the reminder. Uh, Peterson's Bowhunting, we also have an, a new blog. That's bowhuntingmag.com backslash blog. The editors, uh, field editors, publisher, uh, the Peterson's Bowhunting staff, we're going to be providing updates on our our hunts and field testing products, a little of everything bow hunting related. So um, for a, a sneak peek of Pat Mateen's um, success for 2009 this fall, be sure and check that out. I know I'm looking forward to seeing what everyone, um, what everyone piles up this year and adds to their 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 journals and and all the, uh, the good times of field. So it should be fun. All right, well. That wraps up this interview with uh, Adventures Editor Patrick Mateen. Um, we appreciate you taking the time and, and talking elk talk. Good luck to you, Pat. I can't wait to see uh, how, how your season turns out. All right, thank you, and good luck in Oregon. All right, bye. Thanks for listening to Peterson's Bowhunting Radio with Associate Editor Dan Beraldo. 
Be sure to pick up a copy of Peterson's Bowhunting Magazine on newsstands now.